As always, it is my pleasure that you join me for today's podcast of Second Chance Coaching. My name is Dr. Richard Lewis. If you'd be so kind as to leave me a rating and your feedback, I would very much appreciate it, and it will help others like you to optimally discover this podcast wherever you listen to this and your other favorite podcast. As you know, at Second Chance Coaching, we focus on seeing everyday life through the eyes of the returning citizen and highlighting the resiliency of the human spirit. I would love to work with you one-on-one, whether you're a returning citizen or coaching client seeking your second chance, or you're a representative of a business, college, or university seeking to integrate and support returning citizens in your respective organizational and learning environments. Please feel free to contact me via email at richard at secondchancecoaching.com or via Instagram at the Dr. Richard Lewis. Welcome to another edition of Second Chance Coaching and welcome to another week of your reentry journey from whichever corner of the world you're listening from. But as always, we are so happy that you are joining us today for another week of Second Chance Coaching and we enjoy and are and appreciate and we value the time that you decide to spend with us during the course of the week. Um, from wherever the world you're listening from, you know what? Speaking of listeners, um, this is our opportunity to certainly show love to specific corners of the world you may be listening from and where you are. You know, we haven't shown this kind of love in a while, so I want to be sure that I do this and make sure that you know that I'm always thinking about you guys showing love as you have shown us love. In the United States of America, you know, our biggest listenership comes from the state of Florida, which is where I live and where we're based from, so I would imagine that the state of Florida would be where we have our biggest listenership. But our second highest listenership in the United States of America in the month of October came from the state of South Carolina. So I certainly want to make a shout out and show love to our brothers and sisters in South Carolina. Thank you for showing your love and support and being part of our Second Chance family. And, uh, and, and really thank you. And thank you for sticking with us. And we continue to go on this journey together. And um, in transitioning and talking to our folks worldwide, I want to also continue to shout out and show love to our brothers and sisters in Canada, Germany, Ghana, Switzerland, and the United Kingdom. Thank you for continuing to be a continued presence in our Second Chance family. Thank you for continuing to show the love and support that you that you always consistently show up every single week, every single month, every time we drop an episode. Really, really thank you for that. If you're listening to this podcast today, this episode, on the day that it drops... It's Saturday morning, or maybe Saturday afternoon, depending on the time zone. So let me say happy Saturday. Happy Saturday to all of you. We're about um, three days late in rolling out the podcast, as it has been a heck of a week. You know, first I had an opportunity to speak to a really, really good friend, and I met him, you know, through podcast development, and we certainly have created a great, great bond with each other. A good friend of mine who lives up north, Robert Galetta who many of you may also know him as a host of the podcast called Beyond Our Boundaries, which you can still find on the podcast feed. If you go in and go Beyond Our Boundaries, you'll find it. You'll find a lot of the archived episodes that he's done. Now, Bob hasn't put out 
a new Beyond Our Boundaries episode in a little over two years. But I assure you, he's doing great. <laughs> our conversation of catching up, growth, and encouragement was nothing but pure fire. It was just really good and invigorating to have that conversation with him. And Bob shared with me that he has plans to put out a new podcast material. You know, it may be a relaunch of Beyond Our Boundaries, or he might have, well, no, 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 let me scratch that. No, he definitely will have some new and exciting stuff um, for you to chew on. Whether it's a relaunch of Beyond Our Boundaries or a label as something new, I know that he's going to have something something great going on. And it was so just good to catch up with him. And certainly, Bob, like you said, you know, it's been two years since we uh, hung out on the beach and he came down here. It won't be another two years again. We'll make sure that happens. And we'll talk definitely sooner than later. On the home front, we've had a lot of transition um, in, our, in my condominiums homeowners association which um, we had a lot of, we had some people leave and decide to quit and it's left me as the acting president. Now, unfortunately in Florida, you know, the condos are really feeling the squeeze of higher insurance rates and safety inspection standards that happened from the Surfside Florida um, disaster. And it's designed to really meet standards that a lot of condos have to meet. And our condos not immune from that. And with those standards have come higher fees of insurance, higher fees of workmanship and things of that nature. And it really has put pressure on a lot of, on a lot of condo boards. And like I said, our, our board is not immune from that. But I would have to say that my only frustration in regards to that is that the majority of our board really have made decisions based on being afraid and not really making, not taking the time to really know all the facts before we get into get into stuff. And then what has happened is those decisions and that fear has come back to bite us. Now, while I can understand feeling unsettled and not, not liking the things that are going on around you and wanting to be on solid ground, I always would tell the people that I was on the board with that we can't allow fear and, and premature expediency just to get things over with prematurely force us into, you know, short-sighted and detrimental decision-making that just doesn't work in the long term, doesn't work in the short term. But now that people have left, I mean, I know there's been disagreements and things of that nature, but I think disagreements are healthy, and it certainly wasn't disagreements on a personal level, but um, now it's left me as acting president, as if I had nothing else to do. <laughs> but um, I'll continue to ask that all of you pray for me, as I take on this uh, new mantle of leadership, the leadership of the place of where I live, so that we as a board can right the ship, because I definitely can't, cannot do it by myself. And as and I recognize that as all good servant leaders, or I hope to be a good servant leader, recognize that, that you can't do it on your own, that I can't do it on my own, that this has to be done in cooperation with my fellow board members, the fellow resident owners, but I'm really confident and faithful that that we got this we got this and we'll make it happen keep you i'll keep you updated on it as as time goes on as well i also had um to move to another subject i also had the unusual high amount of either not unusual the usual high amount of grading teaching student interaction all the stuff going on with classes a lot of speeches going on and then and then and also had meetings in preparation for the next rollout of our faculty speaker series and certainly prepping for the business of the holiday season, as we get closer to the holiday season or closer to the end of the semester, it always gets busy. It always ramps up. And 
those are the kind of things that we that we deal with every day at the college. So that's that's pretty exciting. Took up a lot of time this week, of course. But um, speaking of the holiday season, for me, you know, the unofficial start of the holiday season really commences with my daughter's birthday, which was, um, if you're listening on the day that this podcast drops, it was this past Thursday. So I'll say publicly again, happy, happy birthday, Julian. And I hope you had a very special and blessed day. And like I said, when we spoke on the phone and we FaceTimed on your birthday, while it was your birthday, it was me who has definitely received the gift of 29 years and counting of being your father. So I love you, baby girl. You know that, but I'll always keep saying it. But you're still my baby girl, even at 29 years old. 29 years old. I stay shocked that I actually have a 29-year-old daughter. What a 29 years old, that just rocks my mind. But, you know, she's a phenomenal woman. So I'm not surprised. <laughs> She's doing great. Well, one of the last things that come to mind for this past week has really been the coaching and consulting I've done. And usually, I well, I'll say usually um, at the end of the year, coaching and consulting activities always seems to increase ever since I started doing this. I really haven't ID'd why that's the case. But at the end of the year, coaching and consulting activity really seems to increase. I met with a number of people, you know, doing co coaching and consulting, you know, under that umbrella this week. And in some of those interactions, I met with some companies that are looking to explore about hiring returning citizens and how they continue and not only hire them, but really continually support them in their workplace environment. So I was really happy to hear potentially what they want to do. I also met with a number of local individuals who are running for public office here in the state of Florida, as well as some current office, you know, public office holders in the state of Florida to discuss, you know, their communication strategies and how, how they, you know, and what they do and how they hold office and how they could, they could, they are seeking and how they could support, you know, they really seek how they could support returning citizens and really the communities at large, you know, and having so many of these conversations, and, and having these conversations with folks about supporting returning citizens, what they could do, how they could really look at them as part of the community. It really got me thinking this week about the root and the foundation of second chance coaching. And that, and that root and foundation is optimizing second chances of returning citizens in the United States and worldwide. And it really made me think of today's topic and, and talking about our foundational work, which is really welcoming people home celebrate their coming home and starting their lives over through the commencement of their reentry journey. You know, at this time of year, in November, December, sometimes even the beginning of the beginning of the new year, at this time of year, it's really customary to see governors from all over the United States and even the president of the United States, no matter who is the president, no matter who, whatever party they're affiliated with, no matter who that is and that's holding office, really to provide pardons or commutations or some sort of incarceration relief that reunites people with their loved ones, you know, and then in an instant, the transformation in that instant when that, when that pardon or commutation or incarceration relief comes down, in an instant, prisoners become returning citizens and their reentry journey joyously starts for many of them. I could tell you that many people when in prison 
you know, I was one of them, you know, spend time visualizing and planning their release date and what they're going to do when they come home. That's something that keeps you, keeps you alive, keeps you invigorated when you're doing that. And, but also there's an adjustment for you as the loved one. You might be the loved one that's supporting an incarcerated loved one, you know, emotionally or financially or whatever. You're supporting an incarcerated loved one and waiting for them to come home. And, uh, but even at this time of year where these pardons and commutations may take place, these reunions are not just regulated to the holiday season. It happens all year round. You know, in the United States of America, an average of 10,000 people per week. Let me say that again so you can understand what I'm saying. And in, in the United States of America, an average of 10,000 people are released from state and or federal prison every single week. In addition, the annual number averages about, to about 650,000 people released from prison, state or federal. So that's 650,000 new returning citizens in the United States every single year. But unfortunately, about two thirds to about 70% are reincarcerated within three years for many reasons. It could be employment, it could be education, housing, mental health, um, maybe lack of family support. They, it could be those reasons and many, many more as to why recidivism, recidivism rates could be so high. You know, in my coming home, I was fortunate enough to be educated enough to have appealing employability. I certainly had incredible family support, had, didn't have to worry about housing, et cetera, things of that nature. And it's been a successful reentry journey so far, but it wasn't always easy. It wasn't always easy. But whether, whether you're in that position or whether you're the loved one that's looking in that position, you know, let's look at coming home and starting over as, as to how you know, you could help a loved one start over. Let's look at coming home and starting over for that returning citizen and really look at the basic steps of a, of a job search. All these things that we're about to talk about and these steps that we lay out, we, all, we do this all the time in our second chance coaching and consulting sessions. We do it all the time. So today, I guess we're giving you a little bit of a peek into what we do and the steps that we walk people through and the steps that you could follow for yourself, or as a loved one following it in support of a loved one. But we have three sets of steps we wanna go through today. But let's start first with the seven tips that if you, you're the returning citizen, you have now come home. And let's talk about the seven tips for you as the returning citizen, returning citizen to do to adjust to life now that you're home from incarceration. The seven things. Number one, learn what has changed. Learn what has changed since you've been gone. Whether you were gone six months like I was or six years or longer than that, what has changed? What technology has changed? Some of you are just experiencing smartphones for the first time. When I worked in the Fortune Society, I, worked, I dealt with someone that was so traumatized because they had to deal with Metro cards, transit cards, and they weren't dealing with cash or tokens as readily anymore. And that's what they were used to. And just having Metro cards was a little bit of a shock and not knowing even how to use it. Uh, we don't use cash as much as we used to anymore. So the, the rapid use and the, and the regular use of debit cards and credit cards could be an adjustment for, for some folks. Maybe having smartphones, you know, apps that you can use to pay your bills and track different things, social media, all those things can come into play. 
Now, I wasn't gone for so long, but one of the things that changed while I was gone was just family routines. You know, a lot of family routines about how we ate dinner, who came in and out. You know, that was a, an adjustment for me. And, you know, the one of the things that I don't like when people come home, they always want to tell you, don't associate with other with other people with criminal justice records. Now, I could understand the mentality behind that, and we'll talk about some of the some of the other steps that come into play. But what I will say is, as long as no one's not bringing you down or being a negative influence, don't underestimate the networking and the value of the experiences of other returning citizens. You know, they could help as far as you navigating you through spaces in which they've already gone through before, and now you're going through. So look at family, friends, and loved ones as well, you know, to really be your navigators as to what has changed since you've been gone. Number two, find housing. Housing is the foundational stability of any of our existences, especially for those who are returning citizens. But of course, there is a lot of issues with housing is the criminal background checks. I remember when I was looking for housing, and I've said this in past episodes, there was challenges with housing. My ability to have my record sealed enabled me to get into the condo that I'm in right now. But certainly look at those local housing authorities like HUD, um, family dynamics, look and see what's there that you could sit there and utilize housing as a, as a way to make sure that you're able to adjust well after incarceration. Number three, establish a routine. When you're incarcerated and you're on the count, you know what that means. You have a mandated routine, but do that here too when you're home. You know, have a routine as far as the time to get up, the time to make your bed, you know, to exercise, you know, the time to do your job search, you know, spending time on the beach, relaxing your mind, whatever it is. Because remember, how you do anything is how you do everything. So if I'm disciplined in this area, you're going to be disciplined in other areas of, as well. Number four, steer clear of negative influences. While we have the network of other returning citizens, let's be honest with each other. Some folks are just no good. And you want to stay clear of that because if they're not lifting you up, show them the door. If they're putting you in a bad spot, show them the door. Do not compromise. Do not negotiate because your freedom is like oxygen. It's, it's just too important. Stay, steer clear of negative influences. Number five, talk to a therapist. Readjusting to life outside of prison is a job in and of itself. And we have to sometimes have a way to navigate and process our emotions positively. You know, we can be excited when we first come home from prison, but then sometimes the frustration that comes in is that has, that, that could cause anger in those initial stages of coming home. And you could slip up when it comes to that. A therapist could really help with um, having a healthy outlook and really methods on how to cope and process the challenges and, and the things that you that you that you wore while you were while you were in prison and those adjustments in coming home. Number six, join a support group, whether it be a church, Alcoholics Anonymous, whether it be a group that has common interest, common needs, and those interests and needs may not necessarily be people who have come home from prison. It could be other interests. You know, when I came home, the, the, the funniest thing is the, the number one support group for me when I came home, and this is pre-social media, was with my old college friends, and we were playing fantasy baseball, fantasy basketball, fantasy football. So we were interacting and talking to each other all year, and I don't think they really understood how that interaction meant a lot to me 
as far as really having that normalcy and having that recreational outlet as far as having having those fantasy sports. And number seven, finish your education. If there's something you haven't done, go ahead and finish it. Recidivism shows in studies that it reduces, the recidivism rates reduces at every level of education one gets, whether it's college or technical school. You know, finish that education. That is so, so very important. Now, let's transition and talk about you being the loved one. You, the wife, or the husband, or the sibling, or the child, or the friend, whatever role you play of the person that's in prison. You know, if you want to help them adjust, it's not easy. You really have to help them adjust through that process of becoming a returning citizen. And a lot of that adjustment could come with depression and anger and culture shock. And a lot of that I, I experienced as well. You know, I used to say to mom that some of that depression and anger could come from having that scarlet letter of a criminal record. And, and you know, those are things you have to get over. And you as a loved one are there to help them help us through that. And overall, I want to give you, this is what I do in my coaching session as well, seven ways to help you to help you support your loved one through their transition and coming home. What is it that you could do? But let me tell you, the number one thing before I get into the seven things, the number one thing that you could do and show them is to show them your love. Show them your love through your words and most importantly, show them your love through your actions. Now, I'm not saying to be foolish, but show them your love. And sometimes it includes tough love, but show them your love. So let's go through those seven ways how you as a loved one could support that person as they adjust in coming home through prison. Number one, understand that there's going to be culture shock with your loved one when they come home. Once again, like I said, they've been on the count. They've been, all their movements, their existence has been documented and regulated in some way, shape or form in all forms. So coming home to freedom and choices is a shock. It's really a shock. And the longer you've been away, the deeper the shock is. And you, as the loved one that's supporting that person, has to be patient, show love, and be a navigator through their new normal. Number two, be aware of depression. There's a lot of readjustments that the returning citizen goes through. When they're in prison, the thoughts of coming home and being released is lovely, full of sunshine, rainbows, all of that stuff, but the re and Pollyanna, but the realities could be could be feel like you're swimming upstream. And it could really take a toll on your loved one's mental health. But how can you help through that? You know, help two things that I would say that really help. Number one, set small goals. Set one goal a day. You know, that succeeding and accomplishing one small goal a day and they can get bigger and bigger as you go along could really breed success and confidence. Number two, make sure the loved one make sure you watch what the loved one says to themselves. Watch their self-talk. Because when I came home, I used to sit there and talk about, man, you know, I'm a failure. The things that I felt that college could be a way to break through some of the rejection I was getting. And I thought I was used to say to myself, college was a waste. It was a waste of time. And, 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 and I'm a waste of time. My mother would never hear of it. She did not allow me to sit there and speak like that. She was like, there's no bad self-talk in this house. You can't do that because it could be the root of depression. She was like, nope, that's not going to happen. Number three, communicate your frustration because you're going through it too. Communication is the key. What we used to do when we got when I came home, 
we had regularly, we had weekly family meetings, a time that we talked as a family. Well, I would say my feelings, everybody would say their feelings, and then that enabled us to know where we stood. And we had a plan of action to do better, to do better for ourselves and to do better for each other. Number four, manage your anger. We've talked about anger in the past. As a returning citizen, prison really is a place where aggression and anger is welcomed. It's like a method of protection. But in the outside world, aggression and anger is not really readily as acceptable. And what I would always do, mom would always guide me through that, whether it be for you as a loved one or you as the returning citizen, when you feel that anger, the most basic thing one could do, take 10 seconds to just breathe. Take 10 seconds to just stop. I can isolate the cause of that anger. Isolate why am I angry right now? What's making me angry? And that could really also get to a place of the solution to that anger. Number five, deal with how did, you know, you as a loved one have to support that, that returning citizen in dealing with rejection. They're going to deal with rejection when it comes to looking for work. They're going to deal with rejection when it comes to certain family members. They're going to deal with rejection with former, with former friends. And I dealt with all of them when I came home. You know, as I talked to you about what mom would say to me in past episodes, you know, I used to say, mom used to always say, if someone knows you, there's no explanation that's necessary. But if they don't know you, no explanation will ever be good enough. So talk to your loved one and have them be easy on themselves. Have them recognize their past accomplishments. Remind them of the goal. Remind them what they are here for. Remind them of the oxygen and the freedom that they're trying to get. And remind them to concentrate more on that, what they've done in the past that's been great. Remind them of the goals that they're trying to achieve. Rather than concentrating on past failures and setbacks, you know, there's no need to sit there and do that. Number six, resist negative influences. Once again, talk to them about Pulling, talk to them about what pulls them towards negativity, negative thoughts, negative actions. What could be pulling you towards negative thoughts, negative actions, and influences? Always keep concentrating on knowing the outcome. Know that the outcome, the long-term outcome, is going to be so much more satisfying than the temporary fix of a bad comfort zone. And number seven, to combat addiction. Did they develop an addiction while they were away? Did your loved one develop an addiction while they were in prison? It's extremely difficult to work through that because sometimes the addiction could have been developed through a way to mask pain, to sit there and, 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 uh, and cope with the situation of incarceration. But it could be extremely difficult to work through treatment, and there's no short-term re- resolution when it comes to that. But you got to sit there and help them work through that and give them that love for the long haul as far as combating that and, and living with that. The last thing I'll say is, is as far as... Um, the last thing I'll say, the last group of things I'll talk about is really now going back to talking to the returning citizen and know that recidivism is there. That's the tr- one of the biggest traps of recidivism is not being able to find work. And it's challenging to find work when one, come home, when one comes home from prison. Challenging, but not impossible. And especially when, you know, when you're trying to find work, you're trying to solidify and stabilize yourself and look at a new life after incarceration. There's 10 things as far as what one wants to do as far as looking for work after incarceration. And, you know, these are the last 10 things we'll talk about. <laughs> Number one, know which jobs you won't be able to get. Some jobs you can get with the passage of time. 
you know, sometimes after seven, 10 years, when I started working at the airport, I was worried about what I could get if I couldn't work at the airport, but I was able to successfully do that. But some jobs you have to look and say, what can you get with the passage of time? And, you know, one of the things that I don't know if it was not knowing not to be afraid, but I did a lot of research and I spoke to people and I asked and I found out exactly, I said, this is my situation and this is what I need to, this is the help that I need to get through to the next level. And people, and people, surprisingly, people want to help you when you ask. And sometimes the answer is no, but you'd be surprised how many times the answer is yes. Number two. Review your records of review your record of convictions to make sure it's accurate. Your conviction records like a credit report. Some entries are are accurate. Some entries are not accurate. So if it's inaccurate, you correct them, and it'll be corrected. And then because as long as you stay informed, that's a powerful tool in your job search. Number three, I talk to people all the time. Talk to returning citizens all the time. Be honest about your past. Be honest about what has happened. Because no matter what has happened, it won't change. But be honest with it. Be honest about your past. And that goes into number four. And being honest with your past, take the time to develop your narrative. Talk about your past, but pivot to what you've done positively that you're going to sit there and be an asset to that company. And then that goes into number five. Know which companies are open to hiring returning citizens. And just because they don't have a history in doing so, doesn't mean that they're not open to it. Once again, that goes back to number one, to being able to talk, to let people know where you're at, what you need, because no one can help you if they don't know. And number six, find that support to get you back on your feet, whether it be through government programs you're eligible for, community-based organizations, like for me, with working with the Fortune Society, Find the support to get you back on the feet, on your feet. And number seven, sometimes the first job is not always the job that you're going to like, but look to get that quote unquote transition job first. Maybe that's something that you have to do. I worked in, I worked in a transition job when I first came home. It wasn't, it didn't challenge my intellect. It didn't, it wasn't, I was way overqualified for it, but it brought me back to the situation in which, you know, working with people who were in different stages of their lives. And I got to learn a lot from them. And then I learned a lot from myself and it helped me build that dynamic when I went for other jobs. I said, well, I was trusted here and I could be trusted to do something else. And I had that experience that I could take to other places. Number eight, some of you guys are already doing this or want to do it. Explore the option of starting your own legal business. Sometimes, a lot of times, you know, people, are, you know, especially in the pandemic, they've Ubered and DoorDashed as, as two things that they have done on their own. And Uber and DoorDash are open to hiring and contracting returning citizens and performing those services. Number nine, volunteer in your community. I still volunteer in my community. That's the number one resource of, of um, the networking resource I have is the volunteering I have in my community. Because when people see who I am, they trust what it is that I do. They trust what it, they trust being around me. They will trust being around you, and they'll be and they'll be more apt to help you. And number ten, as I say, with all the love in my heart and all the love in my heart that I bring to you and share to you and extend to you, don't give up. Don't ever give up. I love that takes from Jimmy V's Espy uh, speech over thirty years ago. It's like, don't give up. There's nothing to give up. You could control not giving up, and you go forward with that. Because this year, you or you or that or you're that loved one supporting that 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 returning citizen, you are you are one 
of the 650,000 new release stories that are going to take place or that have taken place this year in 2023. You'll be one of the 650,000 new release stories that take place in 2024. And I'm pulling for you. I'm pulling for all of you. I'm pulling for a 100% success rate. I'm pulling for 650,000 of 650,000 stories are completely and 100% successful. I know you got this. And you know, if you need the help, you need the support, you want to reach out, reach out to us. You know where to find us. You know where to find us. You know how to email us. You know how to find us on social media. And we're here to help you. We're here to help. Thank you again, once again, worldwide in the United States for showing all the love. Thank you for being patient that we came out on Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, depending on where you're listening. And we certainly, certainly look forward to talking to you again next week. Thank you so much. Thank you again for joining us here at Second Chance Coaching. In addition to coaching services for individuals and businesses, I'm also available for speaking engagements and workshops on criminal justice reentry, human resources, as well as organizational culture and leadership. Feel free to email me at richard at secondchancecoaching.com, as well as connect with me on Instagram at the Dr. Richard Lewis. Remember, every day you are given this opportunity for your second chance, and I know you'll make the best of it. I love you all, and I look forward to connecting with you next time here at Second Chance Coaching.